lives is we uh, perhaps get a breakthrough and then somehow or another we, that breakthrough or that victory seems to be lost so easy. And then we resort back to some type of just the way it was. And God doesn't want us to live in that plane. He wants us to live in the victory that he has for us and to walk in that every day in the trials, the tribulations, all of that's still going to come. But there's a victory in Jesus for the believer every day. And he wants us to possess what he has for us. So if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, I'm going to speak this morning on the treasures of the king's house. In Exodus chapter 22, just bear with me. It may not seem of though it connects in any way, but it, uh, hopefully, God willing, it will as we just work our way through. Exodus chapter 22, I'm going to read from uh, verse 5. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in another man's field, of the best of his own field, and of the best of his own vineyard, shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that the stacks of corn, or the standing corn, or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindleth the fire shall surely make restitution. Verse 7, If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, let him pay double. Lord, I pray that you would give help, and you would bless your word, and you would anoint us, Lord, both to preach and to hear. And we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God to open the eyes of your people afresh, anoint our eyes to see. And Lord, give us a faith to go fully into everything that you have for us, that you have purchased for us through the cross. Lord, I pray that none would leave this morning, Lord, with any lack, because everything of the fullness of Christ is available to us through faith this morning. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Amen. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen from the man's house, if the thief be found, if the thief be found, if someone finds the thief, if someone finds the thief, let the thief pay back double. Many people know there's a thief. There's a thief. I know who the thief is. Do you know who he is? Greater still, I know who Jesus is. The thief's come but for to steal and to kill and destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. There's a thief. Last week when we looked at Hezekiah, I just want you to turn back in the Second Kings Chapter 20, for a moment, you remember that he was a king that done that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He got sick. He cried out unto the Lord. The prophet Isaiah had came, told him that he was going to die. You remember the story. He cried out unto the Lord. The Lord supernaturally uh, touched the heart of the prophet as he was in the middle court. He turned around, gave him the word of the Lord, come back into Hezekiah, told Hezekiah, Hezekiah, that the Lord has heard your prayer, heard your cry. And so the Lord, the Lord will grant unto you an extension of your life of 15 years. 
We know at that time when he was sick that he had entertained uh, in some way or another, he had entertained that message or those messengers from the king of Babylon. The king of Babylon is a type, the antichrist, the enemy, the thief, the devil, the old serpent, the dragon, whatever title you want to give him, but that's what he's a type of. And Hezekiah opened the door. We know the scriptures that we looked at last week give no place to the devil. But Hezekiah opened the door, welcomed in the king of Babylon into the house to see all the treasures of the house and also of the precious ointment. The prophet is sent back with the word of the Lord. We need to hear the word of the Lord in these days, what the Lord is saying to the church. We need to know what the Spirit of God is saying to the church of Jesus Christ in these times. And so what happens at that time? Isaiah the prophet comes and confronts the king Hezekiah, saying, what have you done? Why have you entertained uh, the king of Babylon, why have you allowed him to come across the threshold of this door? This is the king's house and all the treasures that are in it that are anointed with the precious ointment. You've allowed that enemy to come in uh, into your house and to inspect everything of the treasures of that house. And so Isaiah prophesies uh, on the king Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20 and verse 16. He says, Here the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. The days will come that all that is in thine house, this is the consequences of Hezekiah's compromise. It says these words, that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have led up and stored to this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing, the prophet says, shall be left and then he just finished with these three words, saith the Lord. The Lord has spoken. How many people know that when the Lord sends His Word, His Word also shall be accomplished. It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take a hundred years. It might take 500 years. It could take 2,000 years but we know this same Jesus that left this planet 2,000 years ago, according to the word of the Lord, shall so come in like manner. The Lord's word will never fail. And so the prophet stands and said, everything that's in this house, everything that you have showed to the king of Babylon, everything in this house, nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says these words, be sober, be vigilant, because. Would you say the word because? Because, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's the thief that we're going to be looking at today, not in totality, but this is the work of the enemy. Hezekiah, in this weakness, was not vigilant, nor was he sober, but the cost was great. You see, I want to tell you, friends, we do have an enemy. We do have an adversary. That is the devil. He does go around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, are encouraged to be sober and to be vigilant because there is an adversary that is against our souls. 
This prophecy of, of Isaiah was fulfilled just over 100 years later. In 2 Kings and, uh, chapter 24, if you go over just a few chapters to see the fulfillment of the Word of the Lord. At this time, just over 100 years later, there is a king in Judah, and his name uh, was Jehoiachin. And then what happens is as the word of the Lord had come, that prophetic word from Messiah, what happens is the king of Babylon, he comes up again towards Judah, towards Jerusalem, and he comes to the house of the Lord, the king's house, just like the word of the Lord had said. And we read here in 2 Kings 24 and 13 that he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon the king of Israel had made in the temple of the Lord and as the Lord had spoken. Here you see the word of the Lord had come and the word of the Lord shall be fulfilled. His word shall never fail. The word of the Lord stands through every generation and every culture. What the Lord has spoken, He shall also accomplish. No matter what's happening around this world, no matter what is unfolding at this present time, it is the word of the Lord that shall be performed. Regardless of kings and kingdoms and men and thrones and presidents and superpowers that are all across this world, the word of the Lord shall be performed by the power of the Spirit of God. Here we see the fulfillment of the word of the Lord. The very final king that was in Judah was a king called Zedekiah. If you turn over to the next chapter, 2 Kings chapter 25 and verse 6, this is the final king of that southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. It says there in verse 6, So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon to Riblah. And they gave judgment upon him. And this is what happens. Listen carefully. This is the cost, friends, of compromise. I don't believe for one second that the devil can take anything because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But we can give him we can give Him what Christ has purchased for us. A compromised life, sin that comes into that heart, a backslidden state. We turn away from the living God. There's consequences to that. But I know this morning that He can never cross that bloodline. He can never come across the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything that He's ever taken is because we have given it over to Him. He's taken our peace because we have compromised our lives. He's taken our joy because we have allowed sin into our lives. He's taken that, He's brought that trouble into our home because of, the, because of the compromise that we have made in our lives. But He can never cross the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The Bible says they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Thank God for the blood of Jesus this morning. 
He can't cross the bloodline. He can't steal my salvation. He can't take my joy. He can't take my peace. Praise the Lord this morning. My name's written in that Lamb's book of life. He can't remove my name. Praise God this morning for the blood of Jesus. But it's a compromised life. There was a book years ago it was called The Great Compromise. What a book it was. But it brought through the truth of what it is to give no place to the devil. Friends, I wish I had got to know it when I was an early Christian. Because so many times, it wasn't that the devil had a greater power than me. It was because of the waywardness of my own life. It was the sin that I allowed into my life that caused me to stumble and to fall. But thank God for a hand that still reaches down and still lifts us up. There's a faithful God this morning, but there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. So here we see this enemy comes. In 2 Kings 25, Zedekiah, it says in verse 7 that the last thing that this king seen, this is horrific, it's so sad, it's tragic, but the very last thing that that king seen was his sons being slain before his very eyes. That enemy, he is a thief. Listen to me this morning. He does come but for to steal and to kill and destroy. That is his nature. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He will destroy. That is what he does. If anyone knows who the thief is, make sure you find him. He is the devil. He's a liar and he's a thief. And he has stolen and he's wrecked, and he's ruined, and he's destroying lives. But Christ has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The last thing that Cain seen, Zedekiah, if you think about it for a moment, he sees his sons being brought out before him. The king of Babylon is there. Think back to Hezekiah. Think back to the days when Hezekiah was lying on a sickbed. And he was weak and that message comes in that moment of weakness because he's sick. And how the king of Babylon was writing him a letter and sending him gifts to soften up a way in somehow. He would get in some way. He's seeking a way to devour. And Hezekiah in his moment of weakness and he opens the door to the enemy and allows the enemy to come in. And here's the consequences. Here is the law of the harvest. What you sow to the flesh, that you will also reap. What we reap to the Spirit, we'll reap that life everlasting. And so now we see the consequences of Hezekiah's sin. Zedekiah is sitting upon his knees looking at his sons being brought out. The last thing that he sees before they take out his eyes is the slaying of his sons. Then the next thing that happens is they pull out the eyes of Zedekiah. Friends, I want to tell you something. That the question or the difficulties or what is happening in the last days in which we're living, it's all about spiritual vision. It's all about vision. The Bible says without vision that the people, what happens? They perish. I want to tell you what the real battle is this morning. It's all about what you see. It's all about your vision. It's all about your faith. I'm not talking about that which is seen in the temporal. I'm talking about that which is in the eternal. We are told that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. But everything of the battle of our faith is all about our vision. That we see this Christ high and lifted up. 
that we see the glory of our risen Christ this morning far above all principalities and all powers. If we keep looking at that which is the temporal, then discouragement is going to come. You will think even in a moment that the devil has the upper hand. But I want to tell you something this morning. The devil's defeated. Christ is on the throne. And the king's coming back soon. This whole thing is about vision. All the questions and the symptoms and all the problems that we are witnessing, even, could I say it, amongst the church of Jesus Christ this morning. See, all the things that we're saying, how is that happening? Why do they let that in? Why are they marrying same-sex people? Why have they gone soft on abortion? I want to tell you what it's all about. The church has lost its vision. They don't see like they used to see. You see, when a blind man in the natural, what does he need? He needs something of AIDS. He needs physical AIDS in order to help him through life. And now the church brings in all the physical AIDS to help her. I want to tell you what we need this morning. We need the anointing of God upon our eyes. And we need to see Christ this morning. And we need to finish. And we need to finish well. Spiritual blindness has come. There was a man in the Bible who basked in the glory of God so much so that when he came down out of the glory of His presence, his face shone with the glory of God. The Bible says of Moses, it says these words in Deuteronomy 34, Moses was 120 years old when he died. But I love these words, but his eyes were not dim. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural force abated. I tell you what the glory does, what the presence of God, it gives us vision and it gives us strength this morning, brothers and sisters. A 120-year-old man who'd been through all of the trials of this life and through all the wilderness of sin, and at the end of it, his eyes were not dim. Let me ask you this morning, saints of God, I want to challenge you in some way this morning, but is there something of this natural world and the natural things and the temporal things have caused us in some way to lose some of our vision? That we're not just where we once were. That there isn't still the fire of God burning within our bones. That there still isn't a passion for the souls of men. We've allowed the natural things of life. We've allowed the pressure and the natural forces. Even getting older. We've allowed the natural elements of getting older to dictate our spiritual man. But you know what the Bible says? That the inward man, even though the outward man is perishing, sore knees, hips and backs, and everything's falling out. But brothers and sisters, this morning, there's an inner man that's being renewed every single day. And what we see is many. Our Luke said to me yesterday, we were out driving in the car, he says, what would you like to do when you retire? I'm going to tell you, friends, no plans of retiring. We're going to glory, and we can bask in eternity forever, and we'll enter into His rest. We have to live for God. The natural things are pressing in. Does anyone feel this getting a wee bit older? Maybe some of the aches and pains. Some of, the, some of the things that naturally happen to us. But the Bible says that that inward man, that inward man is being renewed day by day. Are you as strong now as you were the day that you were saved? Are you as passionate today as the, the day in the army lifted you out of the money clay? Have you still got a zeal for the things of God, a passion for souls, to see revival, to see God move, to see the church triumphant? Are you still passionate? 
or the natural things and the temporal things now have come. Too many circumstances, too many trials, maybe too many disappointments, maybe too many hurts, maybe too many things, too many discouragements, and now it's just a case of it's a waiting room for heaven. Friends, this is not a waiting room for heaven. This is a birthing chamber for souls. And so the natural things press in on us. You know, Caleb was one of those great men. 45 years old when God sent him in to spy out the land and he's seen it all. You know, we, we know he came back with that good report. He had to walk through all of that, but he actually didn't even mention it. He had to walk through the wilderness. He had to walk through the murmuring, the complaining, the backsliding. He had to listen to all the gossip that was going on. But when he was 85 years old, you know what he said? He says, I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. Now you give me this mountain. I'm ready to go out and I'm ready to fight. I want to ask you, saint, this morning, are you still in the battle? you still passionate? Have you still got the fire of God in your bones? Have you still got a stern in your heart? Have you still got a vision? Have you still got a passion to push forward in the name of Jesus? No matter what's happening around us, we're believing God. This man stood and he said, even as my strength is now, he says, I'm ready. You know what he says? I'm ready for war. 85 years old. 85 years old. No excuse for any of us this morning. 85 years old. He says, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. Lord, give us that spirit of Caleb. Give us that same passion. Give us that fire, Lord, something the natural forces, the perishing body has had a bearing upon each and every one of us at different times. But, oh God, renew us in our spirit and give us a vision this morning. Paul said these words, he said in Acts chapter 20, Behold, I go bound into the Spirit, in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. I don't know what things that will befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bounds and afflictions abide. Do you know what any said? He says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, because I want to finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let me ask you, are you moved this morning? What's moved you? What's moved you from the passion that you once had? What's moved you from the goal, from the vision, from the, from the joy of serving the Lord? What's moved you away from these things? None of these things, Paul said, move me. Brothers and sisters, we know that the next king to come, King Zedekiah, was that last king. But the next king after him came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey 600 years later. You know what they did with him? They nailed him to a cross. But I'm going to tell you, he's coming again. And I believe if it's as this close, but I do believe this, the Bible speaks in Revelation about him upon that great white horse. And if I could put it this way, friends, this morning, I believe we're so close, but I believe, and I mean this in a reverence way, that the King of Glory has just saddled up. I believe that he's on that horse and he's just about to come. I believe that trumpet is just about to blast. 
I believe the armies of heaven are gathered up because that king of kings is on that horse this morning and he's ready to burst through these clouds. I believe we're that close to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's how close we are. He has triumphed over the enemy. And we have access this morning through this precious blood. I want to I talk to you just for a moment about how we get some things back that we have lost. I want you to hear me this morning. Some things we have lost. And some things we've nearly become content just to try to work out a little life for ourselves as a Christian. But it's not God's life. And it's not His purpose. We've got into something of a bit of a, a rut that this is the way I'm going to just live this life now. All the trials have come. Well, I know, I understand. I sing the songs. I've got the joy, joy, joy. But you know you don't really have the joy. I've got peace that passes understanding. But you know that you're troubled in your life. I've, I, I, we talk about the Holy Ghost and the fire and the power of God. And, but yet you know in your own life there was... Once a time, there was once a day that you were so full of the Holy Ghost and joy and the power of God. It was, it was unspeakable and full of glory and it was overflowing. And somehow or another, some of that's been lost. If anyone knows who the thief is, see if you find a thief, he's the payback double. If anyone knows who he is, I know who he is, do you? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, if you turn over to it to read these few verses, the Bible says that having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Thank God there's the house of God. And thank God there's a great high priest over this house. And his name's Jesus. Can I tell you something about God's house? No devil ever goes into God's house. He's no rights. I tell you why he can't go in. Because like in that Old Testament, that Solomon's temple, right at the front of that tabernacle or right at the front of that temple, there was an altar. And that altar was a place where there was the shedding of blood. But I thank God this morning it's not the shedding of the blood of bulls or goats, but it's the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that Old Testament altar, it's amazing. It tells us that, in meters anyway, that it was 10 meters, that brazen altar was 10, 10 meters wide by 10 meters long, 10 meters square, and it was five meters high. That's, that's some size of an altar. You ever hear about all the goats and the, and the lambs and everything that was being... It was a huge altar right at the front of that, of that temple. Ten meters is probably from that end post. This is twelve and a half meters long. But it's probably from that end post to that post, that other end post. And then it's ten meters that way, probably down to the back to where Hannah's sitting, and then 10 meters the whole way across, and then 10 meters back up again, and it's 5 meters high, and there had to be steps 
stairs that are, are a slope at least that led right up onto that altar because as those priests would enter and go up onto that altar, there was never nothing of their nakedness to be seen by God because He's holy. And they would go up and that's where they would sacrifice. Do you know the amazing thing? That, that their blood had to be shed. But there's, an amaz- there's so many amazing things about the tabernacle, the temple. But if you walk in through that holy place and right up into the Holy of Holies, where that veil for us has been rent from top to bottom, that we can enter right in. But the holy place is exactly the same dimensions as the altar. The demands of a holy God for a perfect sacrifice means that every believer this morning can boldly enter in through the blood of Jesus Christ right into the holiest of all, right into the King's house. Let me ask you, friends, how many times do we enter in? Let me ask you, believer, this morning, that's what the Bible says, if you have boldness through the blood of Jesus Christ that this morning, that not just going to a meeting or going through a meeting, but you have boldness in your heart, no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, and get your eyes off the temporal, but you have boldness through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning to enter into the holiest of all through the blood of Jesus Christ right into the king's house. And this morning, you can be in the holy of holies through faith. Let me ask you a question. How many times do we do that? How many times do we really enter in through faith to possess everything of what He has purchased for us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Look at Hebrews 9 and verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats or calves, Hebrews 9 and 12, but by His own blood He's entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, for of the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Purge the dead conscience to serve the living God. Friends, this morning, we have an altar. The writer of the Hebrews says, we have an altar. And he says, they have no right to eat or to partake of this altar. What altar is he talking? He's talking about Calvary. They have no right to come. And through Calvary this morning, through faith, we can enter in through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ into the King's house and in His house. Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 4 says these words, He brought me in to His banqueting house. And what is it? His banner over me is love. What is a banqueting house? What does that look like in your imagination, in your mind's eye? If you were brought into a banqueting house, praise the Lord this morning. We like a good supper. Elaine doesn't like good suppers, but we love a good supper in the church and all the tables are set and all the sandwiches are brought and all the bacon's done and all the cream buns and all the... Did you taste that sandwich? Did you taste Gillian's cake? It's amazing and we all love to eat of the banqueting table. I'm talking about something so much greater. Very rarely we ever enter in. Very rarely. Healing, deliverance, 
There's not a disease in this house, friends, this morning. I do know what I'm saying. There's not a disease in this house this morning, in this banqueting house, that cannot, that will not be healed in the name of Jesus. Not a disease. You name any disease. Friends, I want to tell you, the authority in this is the Word of God. If we enter into that banqueting house, and there's a king, there's a great high priest, and he's there with blood, it's the precious blood of the Lamb. But it's faith to enter in. And I come into that banqueting house, and in that house, there's peace. And in that house, there's joy. And in that house, there's forgiveness of sin. In that house, there's mercy, and it's abundant. In that house, there's deliverance from every sin and every chain can be broken in that house. Every disease can be healed in that house. You name the disease, I want to tell you something, that through His sacrifice on the cross, the Bible says that by His stripes we are healed. This morning, friends, there's fullness of joy. Not His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We are to boldly enter in. How do we boldly enter in? You know, the devil is a liar. He really is. If anyone knows who the thief is, I want to tell you who it is. It is the devil. But you listen to me this morning. He is a liar. Because what he does, he, ver he fertilizes roots of bitterness. He fertilizes them. He puts growth on them. And he works into the hearts of people. There's a, there's a weed. I think it's called the Japanese knotweed. Anyone ever heard of it? Mars, the Japanese. It's, a terrible, it's illegal, isn't it? You're not allowed to have it in this country. And you see if anyone finds it, you have to cordon it off. You phone the department and all these boys that get paid a lot of money to do nothing. They come out and try and sort that out. But see this Japanese knotweed? It's unreal. See once it gets into the ground, it can grow underneath the ground seven meters in width and three meters down. And it's deadly. It's illegal. I want to tell you something. There's something so much worse than Japanese knotweed. And it's the spirit of unforgiveness. And boy, it grows. And it goes down, and it begins to spread. The Bible says it defies everything. Can I tell you something? See, through faith this morning in the blood of Jesus, you can enter into the king's house, and there's deliverance. You can come this morning, you've got troubled in your mind, you're tormented maybe by the past, tormented maybe from an old sin, tormented from letting the Lord down. I want to tell you something. He brought me in to his banqueting house and his banner over me, his love. You see, how often do we enter in to that? Some feel condemned. Some feel not worthy. One of the great lies of the enemy, you're not worthy. I want to tell you something. I'm glad he's made me worthy. Listen to me, that is one of the lies of the enemy that works in so many people's life. You're not worthy. Look at you. You're not like them. I want to tell you, we're just like everybody else. We're sinners condemned unclean, but he makes us worthy. And so we believe the lies of the enemy. No, we do. We don't enter in through the blood into the king's treasure house. Friends, in this world... That is coming fastly to an end. I believe that the church needs a fresh anointing that it might see. That it might see. You know, Samson always defeated that enemy. Never once. was never a problem. But when he was seduced by Delilah and compromised his life, that's when he lost the anointing. 
And when he lost the anointing, he lost his sight. Many people have said to you, but I don't see it that way. You want to know why? Because they've lost their sight. They've compromised. They've lost the anointing. But how be it, praise the Lord, his hair began to grow. His plan is to prevent, this is the enemy, to oppose, to lie, to condemn, to keep the church in dead works, dead praise, and unbelief. But when there's true repentance and forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood makes everything alive. It makes it alive. Oh, friends, this morning, it is we, with the word of the Lord, we say this morning, oh, that thou would revive us again, that your people might rejoice in you. Too many have lost too much. Too many have lost too much. You've lost too much. You've allowed the temporal, the natural, and the circumstances now to dictate the life and how you're going to live your Christian life. But the shocking thing is, that's not how God wants you to live it. That's not what he purchased this life for. Too many have lost too much. Compromise, circumstances. The list just keeps going on and on. This is what we read this morning. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it's stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, let him pay double. I tell you, friends, I found that thief. That thief is the devil. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you know the thief? Boy, you see his fingerprints everywhere. You see his work everywhere. You hear his lies everywhere. But with boldness this morning through the blood of Jesus, we can enter into the Holy of Holies, into the King's chamber, and where the treasures are. I tell you, friends, praise God for the treasures in the King's house. That devil can never take them, but by faith, we must possess them. We must possess them by faith. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom suffers violence. The violent take it by force. There has to be an authority to possess what God has purchased for us. I'm going to say that again because it seems maybe a little bit opposite to the passive Christianity of which we've been influenced by so much today. We are to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Earnestly contend. That doesn't seem passive to me. Does it seem passive to you? Earnestly contend for the faith. Bible says, for us, the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. That's not a physical thing, in case anyone starts throwing chairs about. That's a spiritual thing. That's an authority in God. I want to tell you, friend, this morning, having therefore, brethren, boldness. What in? Is it in us? No, it's in the blood of Jesus the blood of the Lamb this morning. Thank God we can possess the treasures of the king's house. He brought me in to his banqueting house. You know what his banner is over us this morning? His banner over us is love.
It's love. It draws us to come. Friends, put all the lies out. Unworthy. Not like anybody else. See all that? Put all that out. All that stuff. Put it all away. You're precious in the sight of the Lord. Come into the treasure house. That's where all of what he's purchased for us is available through faith. Friends, we've got to possess it with the authority that's not in us, but it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord.